Ladies and gentlemen, Breakfast with Friends on CCFM 107.5. It's such an honour and a privilege to be now joined on the line with Premier Ellen Wendy. Good morning, Premier. Good morning. Thank you very much. Great to be with you. So uh, COVID-19 has been something we've been talking about for nearly a full-on year. Uh, well, in some cases, more than a year. But uh, where are we as a province with regard to the stats and the figures? Okay, so, um, I mean, if I look at our hospitalizations, I mean, they're coming down. It's not as if it's disappeared altogether. We have 1,150 people in hospital at the moment, split 655 in public hospitals and uh, 498 patients in private hospitals. But from a percentage point of view, it's really coming down very nicely. So overall, um, you know, COVID-19 patients make up 8% of our available uh, beds in our hospitals. So so So, that number has come down quite substantially. But, um, you know, the most important thing is, you know, we've got to learn. We're not, uh, you know, we, we must, we have early warning systems in our own system, but we also have learnings from other parts of the world. I mean, we were, we were able to learn before even the first wave hit us, not that we knew it was coming at us. Mm. Um, but we already started to put, uh, put sort of things in place because what we were saw in the first wave more than a year ago, what was happening in Italy. And, you know, I still remember saying at that meeting at the Tigerberg Hospital, the disaster center saying, you know, whatever we're going to do, we can't run out of beds and we can't run, we can't have coffins piling up because look at what's happening in, in, uh, in Italy. And please, we've just got to make sure that we do everything else in between and let's start putting those teams together now before we even had a case. And uh, here we're in a similar position now where we also see what's happening in other countries going into their third waves. We've got vaccinations happening, but we've also at the same time got, uh, I think, a lot better at uh, managing this virus. Um, people now know what to do. We know that uh, you know we must wear our masks and we must social distance. We mustn't go into crowded rooms uh, or, or avoid crowded spaces. And, uh, you know, when we feel sick, we know what to do. We've got to stay home and we've got to protect others. So, yeah, I think we're getting a lot better. We could see it in the second wave, which was twice as bad as the first wave. Mm. But, uh, you know, from a management point of view, it was much easier. And right now we're in that trough. Um, we're, uh, We're in that space between the second wave and the third wave. Um, and so that's the time to prepare again, making sure that we're ready. We don't have any, um, you know, we don't run short, uh, as we said in the first wave. Um, but at the same time, what are the new systems? So we're now doing um, testing in all of our sewage systems. We, we, we test wastewater and we can tell area by area that uh, that feeds into that system. When we're testing that wastewater, we can tell the prevalence of of uh, COVID-19 and we can see when it's disappearing altogether or when cases are building up. It's like a two-week warning. So that's a, that's a good system to have in place now while we're doing, doing this sort of surveillance. And right. then we, we're rolling out a lot more um, antibody testing. So we, we've now got to the stage where we are doing antibody testing and have been for a while. And that's a fact since July last year, we were doing antibody testing in some of our hospitals. Um, and that's why we already knew um, places like uh, Clipmontane and Kailita we were, we were monitoring. Um, now we're monitoring, you know, across the whole city, so eastern, northern, southern, uh, Kailita, Clipmontane, Mitchell's and Tigerberg. So we we really are, um, you know, monitoring the the sort of 
the antibodies, and then, of course, trying to understand what that means, because I see in South Africa that we've also had a number of people who actually did get the virus uh, twice. They got the first strain and the second strain, yeah. um, that being about 5,000 people. So, you know, it's, this is complicated. It's not a perfect science, and we are learning all the time. And, of course, then rolling out of, uh, of um, making sure we're getting as many vaccines as we can and rolling them out as efficiently as possible. Mm. So, yeah, there's lots of work still to do. Lots, lots of work and uh, plenty of busyness around all of that. In terms of the antibody testing and so forth, I mean, it's a conversation that I had with some, a friend of mine, as a matter of fact, where the, the, the mother passed away because the daughter had the virus, didn't realize she had because she was asymptomatic. But obviously with antibody testing, one would pick that up, right? Yes, correct. So, so let me give you an example. So in um, the, when I, when we, we, the city's broken up into different regions, and if you go to the Kailicha region, um, we, and you could imagine people in close proximity and in poorer communities they were finding it very difficult in wave one to really isolate properly. Yeah. And so what was happening is, you, you, if you remember, it was Tigerberg and Kardicha. Those were the two areas of the, of the city that were the hardest hit in wave one. And uh, if you do the, the, the seroprevalence or the, or, the, or the antibody testing, you can see in areas where people couldn't isolate, you could actually pick up that there's a lot more uh, people that have actually had the virus un, unbeknown to them. So that's yeah. the... You know, that's the difficult part of this virus is that people also get it and they don't even know that they've had it. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, it's a huge percentage compared to the number of cases presented and tested. And uh, so uh, in a way, that's, uh, that's scary. But in another way, it also says to us that uh, that's why we saw a lot more protection in the second wave, which was mm. really good news. So, I mean, we don't know for sure we, we're running those tests. And that's why we've said, listen, let's do lots more of the antibody testing now that we've got the ability. You know, obviously in the middle of a wave, you, you're focusing just on COVID-19 testing. But now we've got the ability, let's make sure we're doing lots more of the seroprevalence. What are we learning from it? What are the epidemiologists able to tell us about it? Um, you know, I, I asked yesterday that we actually almost produce a heat map of places now that we know that have had high infection rates, um, that have got good antibody testing, and then they can say to us, well, that reduces risk. But then uh, what I'm really interested in is which are the areas of our province who've had very low numbers of cases and have got low um, antibody testing. Because, of course, those are the areas that we need oh, to protect. And then does yeah. that get a different uh, vaccine regime? Um, you know, how do we deal with, uh, with an area that has low? Because we know that that's a high-risk area, actually. Mm. Yeah, so much to consider. And then one question that's in my mind, and I'm not sure if you'd be able to answer this, but for those people who've had the virus and possibly had it even for a second time and who have the antibodies, would they need to go for a vaccine? Okay, so the, the, at the moment, I would say yes. So, and especially if you're at risk. Um, but of course, it's, it's, we're only still getting there. So remember the, the, the vaccines that are happening at the moment are part of that trial. That's how it is approved. Uh, to happen. It's still seen as a medical trial. Um, but as soon as we've got full vaccine approval and we are now starting to roll out, then I would say it doesn't matter whether you've had it or not. Um, let's make sure that we get as much uh, immunity going across our population as possible. And if you are in the high-risk category, in other words, 
if you're elderly, uh, this is once you've done first line, first uh, first uh, line worker. So you know it's health first, then it will be law enforcement and teachers and taxi drivers and anybody who really is a person on the front line dealing with uh, you know citizens on mass. Mm. Um, you will be the next the next round, and then um, and then it's people at risk. So it's comorbidities, elderly, um, and that, that, then I would say yes, let's then you should do it. Mm. It's very positive to see that the numbers have declined as rapidly as they have, even after a terrible second wave. Uh, But one of the things that you did allude to earlier was the possibility of a third wave. Is there an indication based on other models in other countries of when possibly that third wave could hit us here in South Africa? So the doctors and epidemiologists are all suggesting that it that it coincides with winter or change of season, because that's a normal time of the year when flus um, do spread more. Um, so I would say that is that is what our best guess is at the moment. Um, but what I can say is that once a week we will put out, you know, we continue with our Digicon every week where we, where we actually put it out to the public um, and we we must make sure we've got enough monitoring system in place and people must just keep an eye on it and also look at the dashboard. So you can also tell the dashboard goes down to your specific uh, region in the province and you can actually see what the case numbers look like. And then the real one to watch now is that, uh, is that uh, innovation of testing in our wastewater because it is an early warning system and you can yeah. very quickly see if there's a... There's a there's a tick up in in the number of infections. So sure. you know, I think we've got to monitor it. But I think more importantly, um, you know, let's let's hope that there isn't a third wave and that we manage it because we are actually we've got good uh, citizen behaviour. We've got good business behaviour. We've got we we, we uh, I think as an example, and you know, I get a lot of pushback with people about masks, and and uh, I always say to people, well, there's two things that you need to look at. The first is last winter um, when everybody was wearing masks and we were all social distancing and, I mean, it did help that we were kind of locked down, but mm. we didn't have a normal flu season. Go and yeah. speak to any chemist. They will tell you all that stock is still on the shelf um, that people would normally buy because they get flu. And uh, so obviously masks and social distancing help. And then if you just go and have a look across the world, those countries who... Where, where wearing a mask is a is a norm. So, and that's mainly in the east. Um, so, go and have a look at densely populated countries in the east, who you know that uh, you, for years, if you felt a little bit sick or you had a tickle in your throat, you just wore a mask. Yeah. it's just what you did. Sure. And I hope that we get to that stage in our country now. That um, you know, if I if I feel that I've got a, just a common cold. I'm going to either, if possible, isolate myself or if I'm going out, I'm going to be sanitizing and and wearing a mask because just that will protect the fellow citizens. And so obviously it works. There's there's no doubt about it. And so, you know, let's let's get a new normal going. Um, I do get a bit bit tense when I I go past some of these places and I just see people and I understand the frustration, but I see people just saying, oh, well, that's it. And I see these crowded places with, with no masks and it really does. Yeah, we have to care for each other. We have to help protect each other. Premier Ellen Wendy, always an honor and a privilege to chat to you. Thank you for a very informative conversation, and we wish you all the best. Stay safe, stay healthy, and thanks for chatting to us. Thank you very much, and have a wonderful day. Ladies and gentlemen, Breakfast with Friends on CCFM 107.5.